Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. James chapter 1 verse 14, he says, But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And then he goes on, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the Father of lights. Now, isn't that interesting? He goes right into talking about every good gift comes from God. And he says, he says don't be deceived about this. Don't be deceived about this. So he said, in other words, he's letting us know. He's saying, God doesn't tempt us with evil. And bad things happen because of sin getting root in our life, in our world. And being able to mature and, and come to fullness. Everybody say fullness. fullness. When it comes to fullness, it brings forth death. God doesn't bring forth death. I said, God doesn't bring forth death. So he's telling you that. He says, no, 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 don't be deceived about this. He says, see, see, this is the result of the law of sowing and reaping, you know, missing it. The devil get in place. That's where evil comes from. He says, no, no, every, all the good stuff, that comes from God. Every good and perfect gift, that comes from the Father, your Father, the Father of lights. Hallelujah. So God is good. We never have to be confused about that and say, well, maybe God did this because, you know, uh, you know he's, he's punishing me. He's try- no, no, he says, don't be deceived. Yeah, that's not what God does. God's not in the punishing business. He's just telling you about the law of sowing and reaping. He's telling you how things work in life, in this world. And so he says, when desire has conceived, when you take it into yourself, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Well, we don't want, we don't want to bring sin into ourselves, do we? No, we don't, we don't want sin to get in our heart. We gotta, that's why the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. Our hearts are like a garden. And so we got to watch what's getting planted in there. You got to watch what's, you know, what you're watering. See, some people, they plant the wrong thing, and then to make matters worse, they, worse, they keep watering it. And they even throw some fertilizer on it sometimes. You know, watch a little HBO or something, I don't know. Throw a little fertilizer on it. And they go out there, and, and even worse than that, some folks, they set, up, they set up a fence around it and protect what's going on in their garden. Even after they've sown the wrong things. Now they're very protective of that activity in their life. And we don't want to be protective of activity in our life that is contrary to God. Why? Because it's going to produce death. That's what sin does. I don't care how it's flavored, how it looks. It's going to produce death. That's what it's going to do. So, that's why we don't want to play games with it. But how many people know when you sow something, you don't see that harvest right away? You don't see that harvest right away. But, but that doesn't mean it's not growing. That doesn't mean the roots aren't spreading. That doesn't mean problems aren't increasing. Right? And then all of a sudden, there's a harvest. And people say, why did this happen? Why, why, is this harvest, why is this harvest coming? Well, that's being ignorant of what the Word of God says. Why is God doing this? Why is God letting this happen? We're being ignorant of God's Word. We should know exactly why things happen. Right? And so what we want to do is we want to take the weed killer of the Word... Just, just pump that in there, you know. Just pump that in there. Spray it all over the place. Just put the weed killer of the word in there, man. Hallelujah. And uh, tear down that fence. Go in there and just turn the soil upside down. And just tear that thing up. Let the Holy Spirit do a great work of just cleaning out that garden. So that we can just sow good seed. See, it's not just about sowing good seed. It's about tearing up old seed. It's about pulling up roots of bitterness. It's about pulling up things that have been growing in that garden. You know, we need to repent. We need to turn to God. And when we get in the Word of God, God will show us stuff and say, see this that's going on in your life? 
that you've been doing all these years? And you look and you say, oh, that's wrong. That's not right. That doesn't line up with the will of God. That doesn't line up with life. Why is he showing you that? So you can get in your garden and tear it up. Or allow him to get in your garden through his word, through your faith, to tear that thing up. See, whenever you come across something that's going on in your life that's not right, God reveals that to you. It's to clean out your garden of the thorns and the weeds and the things that'll choke out the blessing of God in your life. We're not going to let anything choke out the blessing of God in our life. See? Because a lot of folks, they just keep sowing seed. And they might, sow, they might be Christians, they're sowing good seed. But it only goes so far. And then the thing just gets choked out. Because there's all kinds of negative things growing in there. So there's other things growing in there, see? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death, see? It'll bring death to the blessing of God. It'll be, bring death to your faith, death to the word of God in your life that you're sowing. So we want to sow the good seed, and we want to kill the bad stuff. And we want to allow God to bring us into a place of consecration, consecration, where he's tearing up the old roots, pulling out all the old stuff that's been growing in there. We're not protecting it. We're not feeding it. We're not watering it, right? We're letting God tear the thing out, turn the soil upside down, and clean it out. Praise God. Clean me out, Jesus. Clean out my garden. See, I want to be good ground. So that when I speak the word of God, it comes to pass. And there ain't anything hindering it. I mean, how do you know Jesus was good ground? I mean, there was no sin found in him at all. Nothing. Nothing in him at all that would, that would hinder, that would slow down, that would impair the blessing of God from coming to fullness in his life. That's why Jesus had immediate results. He said things, and many times it happened right on the spot. It was just that fast because there was nothing hindering the word of God. For us, there's obstacle courses that the word of God has to go through. We speak the word and then the word has to go through an obstacle course to try to, to, try to come to pass in our life. So let's get the obstacle course straightened out. Make it just one clean, clear lane. The word of God is spoken. The word of God goes forth. And there's no hindrance to it. There's no hindrance to it. And God is so merciful. Thank God he gives us the opportunity to be able to do that. To turn things around. We never want to take that for granted. I said we never want to take that for granted. Here's a little clogged tonight. So So quiet in here. Maybe we need to repent for something. I don't know. I didn't plan on ministering that. Is that what we need to do? Why don't we do that tonight? Maybe there's something blocking the word of God in our life tonight. Maybe not everybody. Maybe just a few people. Maybe just one person. I don't know. But if that's you, why don't we go ahead and just take care of business right now and allow the spirit of God to be able to to work in our life tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father, Father. you are my Father. Father. Thank you for your mercy. mercy. Forgive me. For wherever I have hardened my heart to you, resisted you, rejected you, allowed the devil free access into areas of my life to rob from me, plunder me, steal, kill. I repent of that. In the name of Jesus, I renounce Satan. I renounce all his works. I renounce everything that I've done that's contrary to you. Forgive me now. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness and have free course in my life to set things right. Place things in order so that I could serve you unhindered, and fully pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Praise God forever. Man, that's good news. That's good news. How many people know if one person ain't right, it affects the whole team? It affects the whole team. It's so nice to come in here tonight and not have anything in my body throbbing or in pain or struggling. It's nice to have everything working right. It's nice to have everything's just flowing, everything's working, everything's good. There's no distractions. There's no distractions. There's no one particular area, my leg or my knee or something that's distracting me. It's nice. It's a nice place to be. Some of you might be dealing with little distractions tonight, might be dealing with little things going on in your body. Well, receive the resurrection life of God. If you've received forgiveness, then you qualify for healing. Healing and forgiveness go hand in hand. Don't let the devil tell you, but ah, you're going to reap it. No, bless God, I've repented. And I've received healing for my body. Hallelujah. But spiritually, you know, uh, when one believer in the body of Christ, in the church, is out of whack, out of order, it affects the whole body. Now, you might not be conscious of that, but it affects things. You know, the Bible says one sinner destroys much good. One sinner destroys much good. It's amazing what a sinner can do in, in an atmosphere of God. There's one person in rebellion, one person in doubt and unbelief. And I got news for you. If the devil can get in through a person, he's going to affect other people around that person. That's why you got, you got to watch who you surround yourself with. Because, you know, again, you open the door to someone that's opened the door to the devil. And now uh, they've become a doorway for the devil into your life. So you have to, you have to guard that. Yeah. You can't just say, oh, yeah, come on in, you know, just, just help yourself. You're, you're a, oh, you call yourself a Christian? Okay, great, come on in. No, 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 you got, you got you to watch yourself. You got to guard yourself. From, from those kind of things. So that's why it's important. And again, you know, we don't know everything that's going on in people's lives. That's why we have, to, we have to be led by the Spirit of God. We've got to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. But if you let the devil in, then he comes in and he'll try to mess with the person sitting next to you. I mean, I've, I've, I remember I was in a, in a place one time with someone. They were struggling with stuff. You felt the oppression coming off of them. I mean, sometimes... You know, it tries to oppress you. I mean, you just go to the grocery store and you have a cashier that's got a devil. You know, it's got, or we'll just say a bad attitude. You know, you got, you, got, you got someone in the grocery store who's oppressed and just miserable. And, and they're just nasty. And it tries to make you feel nasty. Right? It tries to get on you. And, you, and then you, you think, well, treat me like that. And, and the next thing you know, you're being nasty. You're manifesting what's in them. They, they shot a fiery dart of, of ugliness at you, and suddenly you know, you're ugly. You got the uglies coming back. Now you walk off, you get in the car, and you're ugly to the dog. Right? And, and, and it just spreads, it's contagious. You know, we got this thing called the coronavirus. Anybody hear of that? I don't know if anybody's, everybody's heard about that, maybe. But, uh, you know, there's this thing called the coronavirus, and they say that, you know, if somebody is, has had the coronavirus and you were near them, if you were within six feet for 15 minutes, evacuate <laughs> the world. Evacuate the world and go underground into your bunker immediately. Get away from everybody. Why? Because what's on them may have gotten on you, and you could be contaminated. And then you go out there and you get around people and say, hi, nice to see. Oh, let me hug you. And then you spread the contamination. And people know uh, that's of the devil. Yeah. And and so is unbelief. That's of the devil. And there's a lot of oppressive things that might, 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 might not be able to put under a microscope but there's oppressive things in the spirit realm, in, in the soul realm, in the mental realm that'll try to get off on you. Just being around people that got it. They got the bug. The Beelzebub bug. <laughs> and I got the, they, got the, they got the Beelzebub bug. 
and it's doubt and unbelief, just makes you start feeling lousy. Next thing, you're doubting everything, right? Just, it'll get off on you. That's why it's important to be around good company, not bad company. Good company. Hallelujah. Godly company. We want to be around the godly. We want to be around people of faith that don't let the devil in. So that that devilish activity gets off on us. Next thing you know, say there's people, they got this. Where did I get this? Well, you went out in the marketplace. There was all kinds of people that had, that had a spiritual virus. You know? And so, and then there's people that just willingly go right into negative things. They go around unbelief sinners, and they just go right in there, and they just like throw themselves right into it, infecting themselves. Now, if we're going to be around unbelievers, we need to go in faith. I got news for you. We need to live in this. We need to live out in this world in faith. We need to have our faith suit on. What do they call those suits? That, huh? Yeah, that suit. You put that thing on. You know, and well, it's not quite like that, but you know, this is this is a serious suit. This is the faith suit. Walk around. We we got our gloves on. We don't let it. I mean, radiation can't even hurt us. And so, you know, we go out into the world as witnesses. We need to be go out there clothed in the full armor of God. We need to have that suit on. We need to be fully sanctified, fully set apart, so that nothing of the world, nothing of the devil can get off on us. I'm in Christ. I'm living by faith in him. I'm trusting in him. I'm not just going to go out there in the flesh and just rub shoulders with everybody and hug and just say love everybody, peace everybody. My Lord Jesus, we need to be, we need to be clothed in the full armor of God. We need to understand there's stuff blowing around in the air out there. There's all kinds of negativity, unbelief. There's stuff that could just take your faith out of you just like that. How many people have gone to bed at night just full of God, full of faith, woke up the next morning and didn't know if, if, if you were just like even saved? Huh? What happened? Something, there was a bug in the room. There was something there. And you slept there and something got on you. <laughs> you know, people know mosquitoes are real, right? Mosquitoes get, they bite you, they suck the blood out of you, and then you got this itch going on. Right? But what about, what about just spiritually? Just, just faith suckers. You know, Beelzebub actually means Lord of the Flies. And so these flies bite, you know, and they'll try to just suck the life out of you. So you've got you to stay on the guard. You've got to keep yourself suited up in the armor of God. You've got to keep your helmet on. You've got to go to bed in faith. Before I go to bed, I, I, I don't just, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. And I just drop on the bed. Dear Lord, I'm about to go to sleep in an unsaved demonic world. I'm not afraid of it, but I'm, gonna just, I'm not just going to just fall in the bed. No, no, no. I'm going to, I always, I like to get, before I, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to kneel down. And I like to just make sure I'm clothed with the humility of God. And I'm just clothed in faith. And I declare the word of God, no evil will befall you. You know, neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. He's given his angels charge of you to keep you in all your ways. I'll speak the word of God over myself. It's not like a, it's like I have to do it in fear, but I'm just, I'm setting things right. I'm just making sure that everything's on. That my faith is on. That my mind is on God. I don't just sit there, watch the, watch the evening news and three more people were killed and these people were slaughtered and say, fall asleep watching the news. Go to sleep with slaughter and murder and hate and all this stuff going on in your head and you don't want to go to sleep on that. That's just being foolish. You've got to be aware of what's the world you live in. This is where we're on a battlefield. You've got to be fully suited up, clothed, hallelujah, in faith, in Christ, mindful of him, thankful, glory to God. Go off to bed. Sleep like a baby. Right? But we don't just... We don't just go through life ignorant of these things. We're aware of these things. We're on the watch. We're on the guard. We're protecting ourselves. We, we're not going to just let stuff get on us. I'm not afraid of people. If you're clothed, you're not afraid of people. You know, we're not like the Amish. 
if there's any Amish watching, well, you wouldn't be watching because you don't have TVs, that's right. Just, just say it. Now, Brother Thompson over there is starting to look a little on me. Lose the mustache, keep the beard, it'd be perfect. Anyway. I've just lost track of where I was. Help the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, the Amish. What is he saying? How did he get off on that? It has to be bad. Oh, people. Yeah, being around people. We don't, have, we don't have to go into our own community, you know, and hide. If you're in Christ, if you're in faith, if you're in faith, then it's, it's safe. It's safe. But we want to make sure we're in faith and we want to understand what we're getting around. Sometimes stuff will get on you. You've got to recognize, hey, that ain't me. That ain't me. I'm not accepting this as my thought. I'm not accepting this like this is me. You know, I've, I've told you about the times. It's happened probably about three or four times uh, over, the, over the years, the many, many years of my life. The, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm going along. I'm, I'm doing fine, you know. And I love, I'm so grateful for what God's called me to do. I'm just so grateful. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, just amazing. I never asked for this. This is awesome to serve God like that, you know. Minister his word. It's the most incredible thing. But then all of a sudden I walk along and this thought comes and it says, I just want to quit the ministry. And it wasn't just a thought. It came with the feelings of discouragement and wanting to quit. It, it, it came with this oppressive, just give up. It, what, what does it all matter? What's it really accomplishing? I mean, it just, this heaviness just came on me and made me feel like I want to quit the ministry. And the thought came, I want to quit the ministry. But I knew immediately that was not my thought. I knew that wasn't my thought because I don't think like that. I mean, I'm always thanking God for stuff, you know. You know, if you're always thanking God for stuff, it'll help you from being confused when the devil says stuff to you. You know, because you always keep yourself in a certain place and something like that comes along and you go, huh? That ain't me. But if you're negative 50% of the time, then yeah, you might buy into it and think, I want to quit the ministry. Well, see, the devil wants me to put that in my mouth. He wants me to speak that out. I know how he works. He wants the seed to get sown. He's given me the thought. He's tempted me. And now he wants me to speak it out and sow it so that he can set things in motion. That's what he wants to do. Now, I might forget about it later and think, oh, I like the ministry. I'm going, but I, see, I got to deal with that seed. I just, see, that's what he wants. He just wants something to work with. He's just looking for something to work with. So, you know, I immediately recognized it right away. And every time this has happened, I've done the same thing, you know. That's why it hasn't happened in a long time. It hasn't happened in years, actually. And so, uh, that I can remember. And so, you know, the thought comes, I just want to quit the ministry. And I stopped. I didn't say anything. Because the devil, I got news the devil doesn't know everything. He's not God. He don't know everything. Now, he can figure a lot of things out. And for some people, it's very easy to figure them out. Because they telegraph everything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can see it in their walk. You can see it, you can see it in their face. You can... I mean, it's just all over them. You just know this guy's got an issue. And so, so, but, so the devil figures things out. So I'm just doing so, so I remember I just said, I'm so glad you said that, Mr. Devil. That's what I said. I said, I'm so glad you said that, Mr. Devil. I was kind of confusing that with something else. I'll maybe share that one with you too. But I said, I'm so glad you said that, Mr. Devil. I said, now I'm going to say the exact opposite. See, I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm going to, I'm going to give God something to work with. I'm going to go out there and sow and water some seed. That's what I'm going to, some good seed. So I just said the exact opposite. And I said, I'm going to fulfill, I just want you to know, I'm going to fulfill my ministry. I'm going to run this race with joy. I'm going to fulfill every phase of the ministry. God has called me to, and I just got to preach it a little bit. I just fortified. And you know that feeling left? Because that devil left. But had I said it, I feel like quitting the misery, that thing would have gotten a grip on me. It really would have started working in me. And it would have worked to produce that in my life. Serious stuff. But it's easy. It's not like it's a big deal. I got news to you. Jesus defeated the devil. He's easy to walk on. 
He said, all you got to do is walk on him. He said, he said, you shall trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And so he said, you shall trample on them. He didn't say you'll beat them down. He already beat them down. You'll walk on him. So we're talking about demons. It's not a big deal. You got to walk on them, but you do have to be aware. And you have to make sure that you're walking by faith. Walking by faith and not by sight. Now, going all the way back to what I lived on Jerusalem Avenue in New York. I was driving in my car, and I was just newly saved. I wasn't saved very long, before Bible school and everything. And here I was. I was coming around this, uh, I was coming down this road, and there was this wooded area that connected to a park back in there. But it was just a wooded area. And as I was driving down this road, I was driving the car, and all of a sudden fear just, just gripped me. Like, I should be scared. You know, it's like there was a spirit of fear or something that was in those woods. And as I was driving it by, I thought it would jump in the car with me. And this fear just got in the car with me. And I'm like, I started feeling really kind of like worry and fear just kind of came in there. And I knew immediately, this isn't me. This isn't me. This isn't, I'm not afraid of anything, but I didn't say that because the devil doesn't know everything. So, so I didn't say anything. I started acting afraid. <laughs> Tightened up on the hand, you know, the steering wheel. And then I went, Jesus! That devil, Ooh, man, I wish I could have seen in the spirit. I'm hoping when I get to heaven, the Lord shows me the, the video of that. <laughs> Lord, when I get there, make sure you show me the replay of that. Man, I want to see that. Because I just know, man, that devil, man, he leaped out that window, rolled down the road, and ran into those woods. I mean, he wasn't expecting that at all. He's thinking, oh, I got him, I got him, you know. I'm like, Jesus! You know, people jump out and go, Boo! I give the devil a little dose of his own medicine. But he says, aware, that's not my fear. That's the devil. See, what am I saying? Things will get on you. Things will just try to get on you. It'll come off of other people. Things will try to rub off. You know, if people treat this virus, you know, with such reverence, such respect, you know, they know how real it is and what we need to do to protect ourselves. How much more should you and I as, as Christians reverence, respect the spirit world around us and understand what's going on so that we're on guard. Make sure you're wearing your faith mask. Get your faith mask on. You need to have your faith mask on and your faith shield. Don't forget the sanitizer of the word, which is the sanctification. You need, to, you need to get some of that word on you. What are you just sitting there for? You need to do it. Dear God. I mean, who are you sitting next to? You don't even know who's sitting behind you for crying out loud. You need to rub your hands on your Bible. You don't know. I don't know where you've been all day, brother. Good to see you, brother. Sure love you. <laughs> I mean, take it that serious, right? But don't run from them, bless God. Help them. Squirt some on them. Hey, brother, looks like you've had a hard day. <laughs> How's that doing, man? That good? Oh, good. Don't make me come over there. <laughs> but that's what we do. You see somebody, you see somebody, it looks like they're struggling. We don't run from them like they, they got the plague. They might have the plague, but we don't run from them. We run to them. We run to them. Because we're in the blessing business. And good overcomes evil. Come on, somebody. As surely as light overthrows the darkness, I mean darkness can't stay in a room when they hit the switch. It's just as easy as that. It's as easy as that. You can have deep darkness in a room, but all you got to do is hit the switch. That light comes on, that darkness is done. It's done. It's history. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. See, salt was used to preserve things. So things wouldn't spoil, see? So it's just like that sanitizer, kind of. So we 
preserve, we protect, we bless, we open people's eyes, and we're concerned about one another. We're watching out for each other. It's not me and mine and run into our little hole. Protect us and use our faith to bless me. You're not here tonight to learn about bless me. No, it's not just about blessing you. It's about being a blessing to the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Pastor Hagen, the son of Brother Hagen, who, you know, has been a spiritual father to me. I went to his Bible school. And uh, he said, I never heard my dad. Pastor Hagen said this about Brother Hagen. He said, I never heard my dad say, Lord, bless me. He said, but I'd hear him always say, oh, Lord, make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. How, how many people know if, if he makes you a blessing, you get the blessing? Because you can't be a blessing unless you're blessed. See, but a lot of times folks miss the blessing completely because it's about bless me. And it just stops there. But you want to think beyond being blessed to being a blessing, which means you got to be so blessed that you're overflowing with blessings in order to be a blessing. So to, to, to get in the blessing business puts you in a place where you're blessed and overflowing. And that's the place we want to be. Don't you want to be in that place? Where you're just overflowing with the blessing. Overflowing with the blessing. You're not just thinking about bless me, bless me, bless me. We want to take care of other people. Say, I'm in the helping business. I want to help others. Well, I got good news for you, friend. Uh, you're in good company. If you're in the helping business, you're in good company because God, the Holy Spirit, his name is helper. He is the helper. That's his job. He is the helper. So you're doing the same things the Holy Spirit does. You're doing the same kind of work that he does. Now, he's a part of the Trinity. He's a part of the Godhead. There's God the Father. There's God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, They're three distinct individuals, but they function perfectly as one. I mean, they have one mind, one way of thinking, one way of doing things. I mean, they flow in perfect harmony, in perfect unity. Talking about the Godhead. Each one has his part. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper. That's his part. He comes and he helps. In fact, let's go to John chapter 17. John the 17th chapter. We care about one another. We love one another. We want to take care of one another. We want to help one another. That's what we want to do. We're not just living selfish lives. Because the selfish life is a dangerous life. You see? Because over in John chapter 3, I mean James chapter 3. Go with me to James the third chapter. We're just getting pulled back here. James 3, he says in verse 18, 13 rather. Who is wise and understand? This chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking. Everybody say self-seeking. See, now we're talking about not just seeking what benefits us as an individual, but seeking how we can be a blessing to others. Don't you want to be blessed? Well, the best way to be blessed is by being a blessing to others. Just be a blessing. You just determine, I'm going to be a blessing, so then you're going to be, you're going to be blessed. So say, I'm a blessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we are. In other words, we're taking another step. It's not that we're just going to go out and bless somebody. We are, by definition, a blessing. I'm a blessing. You can't keep me from being a blessing. Which means you can't be kept from being blessed. 
You have to be blessed if you're going to be a blessing. Hallelujah. So he says, verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking, you're just thinking about yourself. Man, that's a, I'm telling you, a depressing life is a self-centered life. That might be fun for a season, you know. A sin has pleasure for a season. But man, you're setting yourself up for a very empty, lonely life that ends in death. Isn't that what we just saw in James? So we don't want to be self-seeking. Say, I seek seek the the well-being of others. others. Hallelujah. I'm seeking to take care of people, man. I want to help people. I want to be a blessing. So Lord, the Lord has to bless you if you're going to go out and be a blessing. Has to bless you. So how many want to get blessed tonight? So just tell the Lord, Lord, you have to bless me. Because I'm, I'm a blessing in this place tonight. I'm looking to be a blessing in this place tonight. That's so you got to have that. I'm in the blessing business, man. I'm a blessing. He says, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, and again, this is written to Christians. So Christians can have self-seeking in their heart. He says, do not boast and lie against the truth. Don't try to spiritualize it. Man, the Lord, you know, and they're trying to spiritualize it. He says, no, no, no. This wisdom does not descend from above. This is not coming down from the Father of lies. It's not coming from it. Don't spiritualize it. Well, I was praying and I had a dream and I had this prophecy and I thought, don't spiritualize self-seeking. I feel led of the Spirit to go. Don't don't try to spiritualize self-seeking. That just makes it worse. Get real. Get real. Get real and stay real. How many want to stay real? I I want to stay real. I want to be the real deal. I don't want to be a phony baloney. Right? I don't want to be a phony baloney. I I don't want to be a facade. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be artificial. I don't want that. I want to be the real deal. So we just uncover every lying thing, every deceptive thing. Make me real. It's a depressing life to be a self-centered person. It's a lonely life. Never be happy. The more real we get, the more free we are. See, because then you don't always have to hold up these fake walls. All these all these things that aren't real. You don't have to always try to hold these things up. It's kind of like a criminal, you know? Guy goes out, he commits a crime, he's wanted, you see his face, he sees his face in the post office, he can't even go to the post office because they got a picture of him in the post office. It says, wanted, dead or alive. You know? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he's on Most Wanted on television, he's everywhere. I mean, and so he's this criminal! And so, you know, he, he can hardly go anywhere. Because he's afraid somebody's going to recognize him. Everything he does, he has to do in secret. He has to walk out. He's going to live. What a miserable life. You might as well go to jail. At least you could just relax. Right? But these people go, who's that? Who's at the door? Who's at the door? Right? Always worried. Who's there? Who's out there? Who's coming? Who's that person? Why is that person looking at me like that? Stop looking at me like that. I think that guy knows. I think he recognizes me. Yeah, you live in paranoia. I mean, what a miserable life that is, right? So, okay, you got away with the crime. They haven't caught you, but wow. You got to live like that, see? See, that's how Christians live when their conscience is defiled. See, they might not be aware. They might suppress that, but that's what's going on. There's pressure. There's pressure because you're a liar. You're full of deception, and the things aren't right between you and God. And the Bible says there's a fearful expectation on the inside of you of judgment. See, there's this fearful, constant fearful expectation that someday I'm going to get it. Someday this is going to catch up to me. Someday I'm going to get it. And so people carry that around. They carry it around on the inside of them. It's a miserable place to be. Just come open with it, man. Just get out there before God, repent to him, lay the thing out, get real, and just determine you're going to live real. You're not going to live in darkness. 
You're not going to live a lie. You're going to live in the light. You're going to live in the truth. Praise God. That's where the liberty is. You'll know the truth and the truth will. Man, it sets you free from all the lies and self-deception. Self-deception. Somebody say, no more self-deception. I just want the truth. That's right. So, so he says, verse 15 again, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing will be there. Man, where there's envy, where there's self-seeking, there's going to be confusion. No, nobody's escaping this. i got news for you. Nobody's so good that they're going to escape this. If there's self-seeking, there's confusion. I'm so confused. Self-seeking. That's not condemnation. Just It's an opportunity to recognize what it is. There's self-seeking here. But those who seek the Lord, the Bible says, understand all. The exact opposite. Those who seek the Lord, seek his will, they understand all. And there's no confusion. They understand. So self-seeking creates confusion. So to the degree we get flushed of self-seeking is to the degree we're not confused. It's to the degree we see things clearly. Things are plain to us. It's simple. It's, it's amazing, you know, as you go on with God and he just keeps clearing things out and clear, the self-seeking is just going and going and the confusion's going and it gets clearer and clearer and you start looking around and you say, why don't these people see that? Why can't they see this? What in the world is that? Why don't you see that? But then again, of course, I was there too at one time when I didn't know the Lord and I was in total confusion. I mean, total darkness. That's confusion. Couldn't see a thing. But you look around and you think, how do these people know that? See, the more selfish you are, the more stupid you are. I mean, that's what he's saying, right? Self-seeking equals confusion. Not Confucius. Confusion. <laughs> say it. Say self-seeking, self-seeking equals confusion. confusion. Yeah, in other words, you're stupid. You don't know what's going on. I mean, just trying to talk in, you know, modern-day street talk. So everybody can understand what I'm, my speech. So, so think about that. The more selfish you are, the more stupid you are. The more confused you are. Which means the easier you are to be taken advantage of. So you're trying to be deceptive to try to get things by on people and deceive people. But guess what? You're only setting yourself up to be taken advantage of by the devil, number one, and whoever he wants to send into your life. You'll be the one that's snared and taken more than the ones that you're trying to snare and manipulate and take. Isn't that something? So say self-centeredness is for the stupid. It's not for me. I flee. Stupidness. Self-centeredness. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, we're going to walk in the truth. We're going to walk in the light. We're not going to walk in the darkness. Thank God we can. Thank God we can come out of the darkness. Praise God. Hallelujah. He's helping us tonight. Holy Ghost is trying to take some folks by the hand and he's trying to lead them into the promised land. Come on. He's He's trying to lead them into a life of liberty, a place of freedom, a place of clarity. Clarity. I'm not confused. I'm not confused. I love what Jesus said. He said, he said, he said to these religious people, he said, you guys are so confused. I'm paraphrasing. He said, you're so confused. He said, you don't know where you've come from. You don't even know where you're going. He said, I know where I've come from, and I know where I'm going. Isn't that beautiful? I know where I've come from. You don't know where you came from. You know, I had a lot of people growing up when I went to high school. They, they didn't have any idea where they came They thought they came from this thing that came out of the sea and rolled up on the beach. They believe in evolution. And you got these people with beards as long as David teaching. <laughs> Teaching on evolution, teaching that we evolved from nothingness and, just, and this scuzzy thing, just this slimy thing. This goo, right? This, this goo, it grew. The goo grew. And evolved to be able to go to the zoo. And after being in the zoo, it moved on to just being you. 
<laughs> you're just a gooey thing at heart. I mean, that's what you are, just a gooey thing. All right. I mean, you talk about really darkness. And then people sit there and they want to pass the test. Imagine this. They go to school for this. This is education. This is teaching. And people say, well, I don't believe it. Why in the world are you saying your kid do it? And people, are we going to do something about it? We're going to keep letting them tell, tell our kids we're goo? Huh? Wow. And then they come home and watch Mr. Magoo and everything. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just, we're having too much fun to quit. I mean, they learn about goo, that they came from goo in school, and then they go home and watch Mr. Magoo. Some of you don't know who Mr. Magoo is, do you? How many people do not know who Mr. Magoo is? Ask Siri. Ask Siri. Siri will tell you everything. She has total clarity. It's amazing. She never misses it. Thank God for Siri. We're going to get through this. If not today, next week, I'm sure. This wisdom does not descend from above, verse 15, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, where it exists, it's, there's confusion and every evil thing will be tracking you. I don't want devils tracking me. I want goodness and mercy to be following me all the days of my life. Praise God. How do you get goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life? Make the Lord your shepherd. Say only say the Lord's my shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd. Surely, Surely. Goodness, and mercy goodness and mercy will follow me. Will follow track, me. track me. All the days of my life. Man, good things are tracking me. Hallelujah. Say it again. Good things are tracking me. Amen. Praise God. We got mercy going coming after us. Why? Because we repent, we miss it. We like mercy. We welcome mercy, so mercy follows us. It's very simple. You like and welcome mercy, mercy follows you. Tell mercy, take a hike, I'm going to do it my way, and you'll have every evil thing following you. This is easy. But a lot of folks miss the easy. They miss the easy. So it's easy. The devil's easy to walk on. It's easy to walk in liberty. It's easy to walk in freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. And so we're going to, We'll go on verse 17. He says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. See, this is how you can recognize if you're yielding to the wisdom of God or not. This is what it looks like. He's letting you know, this is what it looks like. It's not full of self-seeking. It's not putting you first. It's not you putting you first. It's not what it is. He says, it's this right there, here. It's 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 pure. Peaceable, and it's peaceable. It's gentle. Willing to yield, yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Without any hypocrisy. What does that mean? That means when you hear this scripture tonight, you think about your neighbor, you think about somebody in your family, you think about somebody else, how they need to be full of mercy for you. how they need to treat you. That's, you're not doing the right thing, but you're thinking about how other people need to do the right thing for you. That's called hypocrisy. See, so we don't want to walk in hypocrisy. We want to be peaceful, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy ourselves. Not thinking about you need to be full of mercy. I need to be full of mercy. Me. When we hear the word of God, we're thinking about me. You know, you're thinking about yourself. Full of mercy. When you hear things like this, we're thinking about ourselves, judging ourselves. And good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown. We're back to the seed again. See, we started with James talking about the seed of sin that's sown. But here he's talking about the fruit of righteousness. How many people want fruit, good, good juicy fruit of righteousness? Righteous fruit it starts with a seed. Starts with a seed. He said, and it's sown in peace by those who make peace. In other words, you can't produce righteous fruit by uh, strife, by yelling at people to do the right thing, by arguing with people to do the right thing. You can't argue people into doing the right thing. 
You can't do it. You can't sow the seed that produces the fruit of righteousness in a seedbed of strife and fussing. If you want to produce righteousness in people's lives, then you have to sow it in peace. So you have to be a peacemaker. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I didn't say a passive doormat. I said a peacemaker. A peacemaker. So we're going to walk in the fear of the Lord and in the peace of God and the unity of the brethren, not being self-seeking, but loving and preferring one another and concerned about each other and taking care of each other. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. We're going to let the Lord tear up all the other stuff. We're going to let the word work in our life. Just rip all that stuff out. He'll gladly do it. I mean, the Holy Spirit, he's ready, man. He's got his gardening tools. He's got his gardening gear on. And he's, he's ready. All you got to do is just open the gate to the garden. And say, come on in here. Bring the tiller. Give me some good tools that tear things up. Tiller's good. Just, those things are nasty too, right? Oh, my goodness. It just tear things up. You turn that and you just, you know what those is? They've got these blades that just spin and it just tears up the ground, just go into roots, right? It just rip the roots up, just rip the roots up. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. Let, the, let the tiller, let the Holy Ghost bring the tiller tonight. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let him just till the ground and you say, oh, 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 this is a hard word. This is, oh, and then you feel so good because all this stuff just got, oh, freed up. You just got freed up. Don't worry about the hard door. People look, oh, that tiller is so cruel. It's a terrible tiller. It's a terrible tiller. It's tearing everything up. It's terrible. It's okay. It's okay. When it's all done, ah, you got nice, clean soil. You got nice, clean soil. Can you say amen? Somebody say, I'm not afraid of the terrible tiller. Because it's going to make me terrific. Hallelujah! Come on, stand on your feet. Let's thank the Lord for that tonight. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.